0: Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, watch a Doctor Who story chosen by a friend of mine, commentate along, drop in facts and opinions and observations, and try to guess what my guest's favourite things about each instalment might be.
1: Hiya, Toby. Daisy Connolly here, retired comedian. Um, Today, I'm going to talk to you about the five things that I love about my Who story, which is Terror of the Zygons.
0: Well, welcome everybody. I've just recorded a fantastic, erudite, witty, off-the-cuff intro to this episode and Audacity very blithely informed me as I looked at it just to check the levels that it had been recording through the MacBook microphone and not this very good broadcast microphone that I'm speaking into right now. I mean, I was speaking into it before, but it wasn't listening. Um, and I don't want you to have an an echoey introduction. Nobody likes an echoey introduction. So I'm doing it again and will not be as witty, erudite or spontaneous I was, as I was on the first one. So uh, having started with uh, the end of bullseye by saying, here's what you could have won. Uh, I'm now uh, here to introduce episode three of terror of the zygons a story that unusually for this because i usually sort of dive in the whole purpose of this really is for me to be able to just dive into an episode say what i see and try and mine it for gold without doing any preparation without doing any research because the other podcasts that i do uh, take quite a lot of preparation and research um but hopefully there's enough here for you but um Actually, on this occasion, I, because uh, I hadn't seen the story for quite a while, and because I was in the mood just to watch a bit of Doctor Who, which um, I, I'm pleased about, because I think sometimes when you're producing content, uh, you know, suddenly your your what you would have done in your leisure time becomes part of your work, and that's always a bit sad, you know. I'd, I I think. When when something becomes work, you can lose sight of why you love doing it in the first place. People always say, "Oh, it's lovely if your you know, your hobby can become your job." Well, the whole point about hobbies is they're supposed to take you away from your job. Uh, fortunately, I don't really have a job. I just have a series of hopeful endeavours that occasionally bear the, the scantest of fruit for a season or two, and then I have to then I have to. Find out how to continue that metaphor and fail, which is the story of my life. But you get my drift, anyway. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching *Terror of the Zygons* for pleasure, although it was interesting as I watched it with half an eye t- to know that I would be talking about it later. How different from each other each of the episodes are, and how the story is never quite what I imagine it to be. It's it's a it's a sort of curious hodgepodge in terms of structure and in terms of the dynamic of each individual episode nonetheless uh, uh it went up in my opinion not that i'd ever had a downer on it i'd always sort of it is as, is as, as a you know good solid all Hinchcliffe and Holmes to me is is you know its base level is above average because they're such good productions and because the tone to me is sort of spot on you know the the humor is funny the the, the danger is palpable and plausibly done the production values are you know pretty pretty rigorous uh, and and it all has what Philip Hinchcliffe refers to as muscular storytelling which I which I rather like it, it, it you know it forms a a solid backbone to uh, to a presentation of a you know f- fun witty uh, you know science fiction mad science fantasy uh, but if it has that if it has that muscular dynamic it makes me it makes the child in me feel that like I'm watching something pretty war oh, pretty important you know pretty war oh, pretty pretty tough uh, which always makes the child in me feel a little grown up and the child in me always liked feeling a little grown up. Now, I think what we need to do today as, as I rapidly approach 50 is that being in touch with your, you know, if you're grown up, trying to retain some of your childhood sense of wonder and joy and lack of cynicism is important. So it's a, it's a, it, the grass is always greener, I suppose. But um, yeah, the, the thing that you haven't got is the thing you should always try and keep in touch with just as a reminder I think. Um, But anyway we have got Terror of the Zygons we've got all of Tom Baker's Doctor Who stories and aren't we lucky. I think I think my main problem with the Zygons in the past has always been uh, you know my my main couple of problems well no my main problem is uh, it's the scarrison it's it's big enough for two problems Um, but that that always you know that always made me sort of see the story as compromised in execution uh you know what i could never show to other people but then of course in that excellent doctor who magazine article the, the class of 7g one of them was mick jaggers child i seem to believe you know to, to to see if modern kids could could handle old doctor who uh they were quite cool about it they were like yeah old special effects fine you know can live with it um, and in fact my kids never even had a problem with black and white i mean i didn't show them much doctor who because i thought that would be indoctrination so neither of them are, are, are fans but uh they're like yo, old o- special effects are fine. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I've made them speak that because I've noticed that modern modern young people have do funny things with pinching their vowels. They in fact, they sort of owe them a bit like uh, the Zygon's mouth. Old TV dad. Um, I mean, do they talk? They do. They, they, there's something funny about the modern vowels. Anyway, um, we don't want echoey introductions, and we don't want people destroying our vowels so let's go to a time when everything was better the 17th of september 1975 was better because i was barely two so i had no issues with anything it was all taken care of for me um in a doctor who story written by robert Banks stewart directed by douglas camfield scored by jeffrey bergen only two stories have uh have those three things going on at the same time and that's the seeds of doom which i've already done and loved and uh this one which is Terror of the Zygons. We are on part three. I'm accompanied by Daisy Connolly, and I'm going to see what she thinks of this episode after I've done this one myself. So let's see if we can mine it for positives. Come with me to the moors, and we will uh, see if Doctor Who escapes from the stop-motion scarrison with its excellent flipper action. On a count of three, two, one. Okie dokie. I'm not going to skip intro. I'm back on BritBox. We had all sorts of problems with it, but um, it got sorted out. It got sorted out means I didn't sort it out. Uh, Cheryl, Lee was on the on the blower at uh, uh, Amazon for about half a day. And it turned out because we'd registered the remote control to, to me, because the remote control broke, so I used a remote control on my phone, which meant I registered the Amazon account to me, but the Prime account is hers, so I don't have BritBox. Actually, she does, even though... I signed up for it but using her account who knows anyway uh here we have uh the excellent uh broton the not so bad scarison it's always good to use a point of view shot isn't it well done douglas camfield to uh, minimize the model effects uh and tom baker rolling around in the gorse very gamely that's i think that's not a not a bad shot oh yes here's his uh, harry have it, having been uh, 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 having been uh, that that's uh, now that's a bit of a model isn't it that's uh, that's uh, a, 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 a a nice sort of uh mix of the location film uh, mixed with the model not brilliantly but then you have the the cutaway of the of the uh of the of the claw hitting it all you know it all helps to sort of kid the to to show the viewer that they're not just watching one one thing as it were um i I love the way that woodnut manipulates the controls he's 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 worked out a way to do it in a slightly alien way and the way that uh, canfield shoots the zygons uh you know close up here at a slight angle so you've got a little bit of a profile. Um, they do let. Harry, uh, they have to keep Harry alive because they want to replicate him, do don't they? Although they never quite do. Uh, and yes, I seem to recall some. I remember there's some confusion. I listened to a podcast recently talking about this, where they didn't quite get why the scarrison had gone away. But I think it's made fairly obvious is that he got the he got the tracer off his hand, and then when the when the claw that we saw went to squash him which is why we got the close-up of the claw it, it shattered the tracer which uh although as my brothers would probably point out uh yeah but it hasn't crushed the gorse um y- y- which you would probably do now but um come on uh that you know they haven't got a big big combine harvester or something for a two sec split second shot it's uh, It's always... uh, Angus Lenny was in so much stuff when I was a kid. He was in all the war films that we watched. Although now, of course, he's... Everyone talks about him being, um, you know, Shui the chef in in Crossroads. And there's a brilliant brilliant clip that they quite often use to illustrate how bad Crossroads was of him uh, finding a spider on a piece of food, I think, and sort of turning it to the camera to to show. Um, uh, And it's... uh, and that's odd to think that, you know, uh, you know, not not long after he's done all those those big movies. But maybe they weren't. Well, no, The Great Escape was a huge movie. Uh, and then is then is off to Birmingham to do uh, to do Crossroads, you know, sam- sandwiched between appearances in Doctor Because he's I remember being quite surprised that he played Store in The Ice Warriors because Store in The Ice Warriors in the book is written as this sort of big, burly Francis DeWolf type. And uh, and, and 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 he ends up being little Angus Lenny going anything to do with technology is terrible and you think really and you go oh, it's science isn't it you you like science science is rubbish I mean he'd, he'd be presenting on GB News now ha 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 because he just didn't like all science you know um are you going to walk on the floor? That's been made by science. Yeah, pesky science. Making floors. I'm not standing on floors. They're the product of science. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get onto that when we do. And he's got a flappy beard that blows in the wind. Whereas we'll de- his beard and this is real. Uh, and uh, it looks, again, it's not quite, I tend to imagine him being a clean-shaven fellow, so it's nice to see him. Anyway, look at this. Uh, look how delighted the Doctor is to see sarah jane and vice versa uh and she's got such gusto hasn't she and uh, this is they're, they're a great combination because he's slightly detached and sort of and he's a sort of con. sarah is a sort of conduit between tom baker's doctor and the brigadier there is there is a slight distance i feel between the doctor and the brigadier because the the, the doctor this doctor is slightly more alien than tom baker's other uh, than john pertwee's uh and I rather like that Sarah acts as a sort of go-between uh, between uh, the Doctor and the Brigadier. And, 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 you know, Courtney is very sort of down-to-earth and straightforward, and Tom Baker is almost deliberately, a sort of obtusely detached and alien. And I I think that's a slightly... You know, Pertwee was pesky and testy with uh, the Brigadier, but there was a, a... And there's underlying affection in in both characterisations, but I quite like the fact that I, that I think this Brigadier isn't quite on the same wavelength as Tom Baker's Doctor, and I, I like that. I love the way that they slightly, they're, they're, they slightly mock uh, the Duke of Forgill there. And the Doctor, rather than being embarrassed to be caught doing the impression, just sort of goes, ah, oh, yes, hello, there you are. Um, Woodnut, of course, absolutely judges this perfectly. Um, you know, he's got these, uh, these uh, an article, Anarchic, obtuse interloper as well. The the doctor is, you know, the doctor is sarky and uh, sort of rude, uh, whereas the, uh, the brigadier is sort of deferent to the duke's position. Uh, and Sarah's, you know, very much the journalist here. Uh, and and he deals with them all by being, you know, rather aloof and just dis- sort of uh, tersely cooperative. Um, now yes there's a uh, it was when i was doing running through corridors that um oh well spotted good 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 spotting the thing acting angus well done um yeah he oh, he does that very well the 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 hand to the face the dry throat you can tell it, he's he's got very scared of that um which is weird because i think he's then quite chatty about it later uh but you know that in that moment it's uh, you know it's what i call you know uh Camfield Camfield realism i've never called it that before in my life i decided to try to start calling it that but it's it's the way that um uh, john levine reacts as well in the previous episode with the the you know the airlock thing uh it's just Camfield getting his actors to you know um beef up the the tension Ta- everyone take it really really seriously um, and yeah so here we're uh, here we're having uh, the explanation of the plot which is very useful you know why and and it and it tying in with the myth as well why um why why is the loch ness monster only seen sometimes uh, because it's got this access to the loch via the sea um uh, and of course the, the, the beautiful irony here is that they're all you know, sort of saying, "I'm I'm sorry, Grace. Yes, there's aliens, a, a mad idea." And he's, you know, this this aristocrat, rather disdainful of any of idea of aliens, which is perfect Doctor Who, of course. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a, except for the fact, of course, that he is he is an alien. <laughs> so that's a that's a lovely extra level to what is a a wonderful Doctor Who dynamic of, you know, our regulars talking very straightforwardly about. Ridiculous things, and uh, you know, somebody from our world, as it were, going, Well, I've never heard such nonsense in my life, but actually, he's uh, he's the alien. And this is this is uh, oh, and our sister is so scary, isn't she? Um, oh, yeah, I mean, Bernard's just heard that. So I don't know if you could hear Bernard then, poor old Angus. Now, we ah, oh, that's James Muir, one of the uh, the, the the soldier without the hat on, he's a regular. Extra. Nobody's ever interviewed him. I don't know if he's still around, um, but uh, he's in so many Doctor Who's. Uh, and I think he gets quite a lot of action in uh, this poor old Angus. And I think it's a bit. I remember being quite shocked um, when I discovered Angus Lenny was Angus because I'd considered him a fairly minor character because he he gets killed, you know, just over halfway through. But um again, a sign that if an actor's available, they'll do a job. Uh, Camfield's great at all of this stuff. Um, you know, getting, you know soldiers in the distance and then you, you know Levine's mark is here so that there's a there's a decent camera angle on him um all of this stuff looks good under under Camfield's watch and I love the half glimpses of the zygon through the trees look at that it's a bit like it's a bit like that shot um you know f- from the point of view of the airlock um j- just having it's such a great looking alien creature that a glimpse of it in a distance flitting through some trees is a marvellously alien thing and it doesn't linger on it uh, it's, it's, its effectiveness is the fact that it's in the distance and it's only fleeting and that's not because it's a bad costume off, off, there's James Muir again he's got his hat on now uh, he's very recognisable um, uh, he's got a sort of flat boxer's nose and, and you know, slightly sunken eyes but uh, yeah he was I know a lot of directors found him a very reliable supporting artiste but um, it's not that the, that the Zygon costume is bad uh, but it's still showing restraint. You know, sometimes you can have a a, a brilliant thing, but still only showing a little bit of it uh, is is much more effective. And that's a, that's a sign of a director who's, you know, it's like with writing. They say kill your babies. Sometimes some of the best bits have to go in order to help the piece. You know, you've got this brilliant costume, and the temptation might well be to, you know, show it from its point of view, or you know, have a, have have close ups of it. You know. Um, you know hiding watching the soldiers or doing all of that but actually having it a half a barely glimpsed thing because the costume could stand the scrutiny of the close up and would look glorious on film i'm sure because it looked they look pretty damn good on videotape and film always makes sort of glistening alien carapaces uh, that are actually latex um look much better uh than than videotape so admirable restraint um uh, Camfield, I suppose, I suppose Camfield with his uh, his military thing would be he'd be Admiral Restraint. Well, no, it's it's uh, the Navy, isn't it? Uh, Michael Bryant would be Admiral Restraint. Anyway, stop. I'm now mixing army navy metaphors with slash Doctor Who director combos, which I think is a little too niche, even for this. <coughs> um, I mean, I, I also quite like the fact that uh, they've got no suspicion at all that the duke of forgill who's been who's been patronizing and and aloof for the whole thing uh is is in any way a bad guy uh because that's just how the aristocracy are <laughs> and i love that sarah is left uh, uh you know it's it, it's it's the i suppose it's the modern day if we're talking about this day uh, equivalent of the twisted ankle but uh it's it's much more positive sarah is left behind because she's the one that's going to be doing the research and the investigating because she's the journalist. This is Peter Simons, Simon Simons, uh, who is still around, um still working. Uh we, we we I think we did consider getting him for the commentary because we were we had so few people. He's actually had a very decent career. In the book this soldier is uh is Corporal Palmer, who's also in The Three Doctors I mentioned last week. Uh, and it was it was a nice sort of tying up of a sort of random unit corporal. Uh, but um, uh, And that soldier, you know, having only that bit, well, why not make him Corporal Palmer, who's the corporal made by Bernard G. High in episode two and sort of tie it all together. But um, Peter Simons, Simons uh, I did email him about who's round, actually, because Zygons was a toughie for me. I got George Galaccio in the end which is great. Um uh, but he never replied. He's the he's a friend of a a very elderly a- actor I know called Kim Grant who is one of the last survivors if not the last survivor of the credited cast of Quatermass 2 and I visited him again recently uh, when I because he, he lives near my the, the hospital that I uh, go to for my psoriasis checkups. Uh so what I do then is I try and yeah, I I make a trip to the hospital better by visiting the actors I can in the area. So I visit hims, and I, I usually pop in to see Christopher Benjamin, who lives just up the road as well, who is best friends with David Graham. Uh, it all it's all time. So I have a very odd, I have a very odd, I uh, social calendar. Ha ha ha. And they yeah, and they all live not far from the hospital that I uh, I regularly go to visit for my well once every six months anyway you don't need to know about my medical history Uh, I I, I like both of these guys because they're you know they're both sort of suggesting something's going wrong Um, but it's not there's not too it's not too much of it you know he could be a surly factotum Uh, the caber is a nickname he's a Highland Games champion that's nice yes uh, uh, and I just think um, Woodnut is so beautifully sardonic and quietly sort of amused, this, yes, this sort of aloof disdain that he has, which has a tinge of menace to it. It's a beautifully judged performance. I love this set of steps as well. I love things like this. I think the, 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 the you'd call it props buying now, would you, the art department in the in the Hinchcliffe era is great because I the doctor's got a great leather medical bag hasn't he In planet of evil I like all this this stuff that is sort of old-fashioned and yet timeless uh in in, in a way uh that uh, uh you know that's a, that I just think that's a beautiful piece of uh of of well practical set decoration isn't it and I love the way that Sarah sticks her tongue out at the caber she does all of that brilliant stuff she's sort of playful she undermines because the doctor's quite scowly and snappy with her and she undermines it with a certain sort of humorous rebelliousness that I absolutely love I love Sarah Jane Smith and I love Elizabeth Sladen uh, and I'm sure I mentioned I never got to be to look at that little tinge of green lightning like light, lighting to suggest we're, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're now, you know, in, in the sort of crossover between, uh, you know, Forgill Castle and the Zygon spaceship. Now, my brother's probably watching this. I don't know why I'm imagining my brothers watching this and being rude about it. Well, that torch was handy there. Well, presumably the Zygons use that torch. It's uh, as a, and, and why wouldn't you? And they go, well, why haven't they got an alien torch? Well, why have an alien torch when you can have an actual torch? Uh, and I'm sure they've the cabers you know next to where he gets that set of steps from there's a drawer full of batteries um but yeah so it's 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 become a slightly different episode again it's more sort of uh you, you know sort of investigation uh, we've got we've got much more of the Duke of Fourgill than we have of Broton this week because we had none of the Duke of Fourgill uh, last week but it, it, I mean the the lovely green lighting here and there's not much it doesn't concentrate much on this set because it's uh, you know it's probably quite minimal and there's not an awful lot you can do with it it's supposed to be a sort of cave isn't it Or uh, in between in between the Zygon ship and and Forgill castle and sarah's doing that thing is i love that that it's just that slightly realistic thing of going well the door's open so i'll go through it but i'm not going to let myself get trapped because then the, the viewer would be hollering at the screen D- don't get yourself trapped so instead she nips back out and just tests that she can get in and out again and that this is obviously a movement sensitive door like those ones you get in the supermarket uh, but you certainly wouldn't have got in the supermarket in 1975 well i don't think so anyway don't write in but uh, I'm sure, I'm sure I remember movement-sensitive doors being quite new, and I'm from 1975, I'm from 1974, really. Um, but you know what I mean. Uh, and, you know, it's great that Sarah has uh, all of this agency, and that's a that's a lovely, thing, you know, because we just know that, you know, we've seen Sister Lamont's Zygon double O, and great, and it closes up on the real Sister Lamont. Oh now my my subtitles have said take aula below i think the, the 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 sister lament um zygon is called odoro or something isn't it but but my subtitles have translated that to aula and i have a i have a niece called aula um I, who i don't think is a zygon uh, <laughs> um there's i mean yes this is this is it, it, this is one of the areas where um you know the, the the brilliance of the production makes me forgive the the kind of fact that there's not very much security in the zygon spaceship i suppose would you have security in your, yeah no i think you'd have security even if it was only you guys in the spaceship they do say they've been there for centuries as well didn't they centuries ago by your earth time which means they've been very patient i bet they've read all those books in fourgill castle um and uh, oh, and that's there was. I remember this photo being a, a in, in in the inside cover of a Doctor Who magazine, and I think did I use it as a poster? Uh, and I, yeah, I loathe this abomination. It, isn't that I I, I slightly laugh at that because um, basically we need to cut away from Sarah and Harry, in this brilliant shot of you know them them hiding and bathed in this alien luminescence, uh, and we need to cut to that you know the zygons in human form and we need to hear them so that sarah and harry can register them so it's like oh, i better give the zygon a line of alien dialogue and i i loathe this abomination of a body says poor old lilius walker uh, <laughs> um which is which is uh, you know it it is it is slightly uh, sort of amusing alien sci-fi dialogue but again because this stuff is because it's all done with such utter conviction and because these leads are all so brilliant I love the dynamic between these four I wish there was more Sarah Harry the Brigadier and the fourth doctor now but this bits with look and look how great Tom Baker is you know he's just coolly there going I need to assess that you're not the bad guys and then as soon as he's sure he breaks into that wonderful toothy Grid. but i always find this bit a bit weird that that doctor who goes off and and we're told it all from off screen and then the zygons who we've never seen in this set before are suddenly like interlopers in the the sort of normal you know spooky castle investigatory drama we suddenly have them and and even i know they were we we saw the, the, the one that killed Angus, but that was on that, that was largely on a CSO background because Sister Lament had changed into the Zygons, so I still feel a slight sort of dis- disassociation from that, whereas this suddenly seeing them here enter and having not seen what's happened to the Doctor, to, it, part of you goes, oh, that's quite a, a, a sort of cheap um, and easy way of orchestrating the action. He goes off, you hear the scream off, and then you see the Zygons, and it's sort of like, you know, noises off. But the other side of that is... We don't actually know what's happened to the Doctor. And so what is a what is definitely a sort of cheap and easy-to-orchestrate manoeuvre also becomes dramatically quite helpful because we still haven't seen what's happened to the Doctor. We've just heard him scream and we've seen the Zygons sort of warning them and going, you know... Uh, uh, you know don't follow us we've we've got the doctor but it is it is a sequence that always slightly takes me by surprise because it's unusual to see the doctor i think go and investigate a place uh and us not follow him but instead hear him as sort of othered as it was you know uh, uh he's back i was wondering i couldn't remember whether whether we actually saw him again this episode i wonder if it would have been more effective if uh if we hadn't seen the doctor uh again again in this episode. That shot maybe has, 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 has diminished. But look how good this lighting is, this shooting is. I love the way that, you know, Campfield must have been cock a hoop about those costumes. And these, I always wonder in things like this when they blow up real bits of water. Did they kill any fish then? They've certainly killed some worms, wouldn't they? Some, some animal life will have died. By that explosion being rigged in that real body of water, and I, is that really worth it for, for a piece of television entertainment? I'm not sure that it is. Anyway, they're all. I mean, most of the human cast of this is dead now, so I can't. I can't, I can't go lamenting kelp. Well, no kelp's done. But but I can't. I can't go lamenting sandworms or marsh bugs or whatever. Um, I remember an early summation of this that i i'd read saying that i think it was in the doctor who archives and fact file actually in doctor who magazine that the scarison was was no good this is all great stuff as well people covering their ears you have the sound put on afterwards and it all just builds the 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 momentum of the episode to a climax you know visually and aurally. but but saying that the zygon spaceship was not particularly good but i think the underwater model is good i think that model of it coming out of the water is excellent i think it's that the cso of this final shot isn't keyed brilliantly it's improved now i think uh thanks to the restoration team but i know uh, uh, and but I think some people don't think the external design of the spaceship uh quite um works with the uh with the internal but uh i, th- I think the spaceship's okay that 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 last c s o shot isn't isn't amazing uh and it's it's unfortunate that the cliffhanger to episode two is the Scarrison. and the cliffhanger to episode three is some not great CSO, and the and the climax to episode four is is as we will see um, uh, a, a puppet chewing thing, which 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 I wonder if that if that is a is a bit of a blow from which Zygons, you know, st- which makes Zygons str- perhaps sit on the outer reaches of the the classics lists. I actually I don't know where it was with the, I don't know where it was was in the latest Doctor Who magazine uh poll where I think it actually did quite well so maybe I'm just speaking personally maybe it's my hang-ups maybe it's it's what's prevented me from appreciating it but again what another lovely episode I love all the spooky investigative stuff that they do in the castle um I love uh I love John Woodnut the Duke of Forgill I think he's so good but I love the whole dynamic of the regulars I love all of well those five let's add Benton to the mixed because John Levine is always at his best with uh, with with Camfield well he's always at his best with the dramatic stuff with Camfield uh, I think he's uh, I think I, I love his uh, uh, you know when, when he does the humorous stuff when he uh, enters the TARDIS in the three doctors and when he tells John Pertwee to knock him out in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, I love those bits. But 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 he just ups his game on the dramatic stakes and seems just a bit more confident when he's with when he's with Camfield. And I love this dynamic of these regulars. And I like the fact that it still feels part of the setup we've been used to for the past, you know, few years of Pertwee. But also it does seem like it's moving away from it. So it's this strangely sort of uh sad transition that, that that isn't disdainful of what's gone before you know it's not it's not trashing the, the unit legacy it's you know the, the the brigadier although I noticed that Nicholas Courtney is credited after John Woodnut so he's very much you know having had second billing in uh, in uh, season eight uh, he's now you know he's now not even first billed guest actor anyway that's all the sort of stuff that only bothers me what do I like about episode three well I had Adore the fleeting shot of the Zygon, as it is pursued through the woods. I love all of the filming of the Zygons within. Within the spaceship, uh, I, I love that investigate stuff. I love them nipping over to Fulgill Castle, and you know all that explanatory stuff of that that gives us you know, the, the logic of, of how the Loch Ness monster is only occasionally seen and, uh, and and how the Zygons carry out their day-to-day stuff and how they've managed to remain, you know, hidden um, but active and all of that stuff, which I think is, you know, good adventure plotting. Uh, uh, but then we've got the, the sort of doppelganger body or thing. I love that we have a bit of blood. We very rarely have blood in Dock 2, but a bit of blood on... On Sister Lamont's arm because she is the Zygon who's been shot in the arm, and of course, you know any doppelganger story is, has always got a a, a really exciting uh, and scary element to it. You know the the the, the, the parody of humanity, um, even though you know it does have. I th- you know I think the you know Harry being given free reign of the spaceship and Sarah being able to get in and sort of rescue him without an alarm going off or anything is a uh, you know that. that lesser stories i would have you know i would have ripped a, a new one for that but uh i i, I don't kind of mind <laughs> and partially i think there's a suggestion there's not that many zygons but again that is kind of joke isn't it when the doctor says isn't it a bit big for the six of you oh i can see a robin outside washing himself in our bird bath that makes me very very happy as does oh he's having a great time he's loving it he's getting right under there under his wings uh oh mate um Oh, the simple pleasures now. Oh, good. I've got a very refreshed Robin now charging about in the garden. Uh, my favourite, I think. Um, episode three, now I, I, you know, I, I I, definitely want to choose John Woodnut uh, because it's such a wonderful performance. And I think he really, I, I really love what he does in episode four. But he does plenty of stuff here, and I, I kind of want to get in there with him. do I am I playing a tactical game that I always that that never ends well for me um what else are things that are is there anything that I can choose that's particular well I do like the the chase of I love that shot. I love that shot that barely glimpsed shot of the zygon in the. In the, in the trees maybe I'll save Woodnut till episode 4 because I know that guest stars and guest actors are very much my sort of thing and Daisy might uh, might not choose that or might be late to choose that maybe I have to choose the Zygon design now because she's chosen the spaceship and she's chosen Evil Harry and we have to choose the Zygons don't we and I chose you know, I chose the end of episode 1 and uh, the pitchfork scene so I think I have to choose the Zygon design now I think because I think she's if she is going to choose the same two things as me and I don't know that she will uh, I need to get in there sooner rather than later and I think I'm on borrowed time I'd have chosen the Zygon design for episode one and the Zygon design for episode two and it's 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 interesting that brilliantly shot though those interiors are in the spaceship and the way that that Camfield frames the Zygons in close-up and in slight profile or favouring Broton with one behind him or whatever. The actual shot I really love uh, is, is the one of it in the distance. It just goes to show that a brilliant design can can stand up to d- sort of different ways of shooting. Um and 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 be compelling in different ways just that i love that half glimpse shop i don't know why i think it's because you know we're used to seeing forests but to suddenly see this sort of blobby orange alien thing just flitting through is is actually really quite disorienting and scarifying i lo- yeah oh i love the zygon the jim james atchison my goodness and so much that is uh, is great about that zygon design yes please the zygon design is my choice for episode three of Terror of the Zygons. Uh, let's hope she doesn't choose John Woodnut now, because, spoiler alert, that's what I'm going to choose for episode four. I think, well, I think, I don't know, because I react as I've seen. my, I, But my, but my instinct is, and I get two choices, of course, for, for, uh, for part four anyway. But um, I'm certainly going in there. I'll be playing for Team Woodnut, but let's see, let's see what happens as I'm gabbing along. Because sometimes I change my mind. I don't normally plan uh, ahead what I'm going to choose, but um, I've, I've I've had to be a little bit tactical here because it's such an embarrassment of riches. If I if I choose a thing this episode, and I do feel that Woodnut really comes into his own next week, uh, but let's not spoil next week. And anyway, I might change my mind, but I I think I have to choose the uh, the the Zygon design. Let's see, Uh, but with special mention to that shot of it flitting through the trees. Let's see what Daisy chooses for part three. Uh,
1: Third thing, now then, the third thing I'm gonna talk about is, it's quite a personal one for my family. Every time we watch this particular story. Now, you'll remember Angus as second sight. So somebody inevitably in my family at some point in, in the third episode, when Angus meets his doom, we'll say, he didn't see that coming. <clears throat> <laughs> and then, when it does the close-up of the of the deer's head, somebody else will go, yeah, no idea. It had to be there. It's, it's one of those things. But it's a definite family tradition in our house.
0: <laughs> I love that. Even though that has... Uh, sort of spelled my doom in terms of winning this that I love that Daisy you're wonderful Uh, that obviously there was no chance that I would ever get that but I love that that exists because we all have our this is what this is the beauty of Doctor Who you see I was talking to a Doctor Who uh, perform a regular Doctor Who uh, performer who I was staying with this weekend uh, in order to make a film for a dvd blu-ray that i can't talk about um uh about that you know they said what what's the what's the appeal of doctor who why why do you think and i was talking and 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 they touched upon it uh, about you know it getting you when you were a kid and it is tied up with childhood where if you have a good childhood it's a reminder of a more innocent time if you had a difficult childhood it was probably the bit that made you happy in a difficult childhood that's definitely i think i think the thing f- for me um and you know the last violin is not playing i i you know i i lived in a nice house and you know i was i was fed and and all of that it was more of a it's more of a psychologically difficult childhood than a than one of deprivation shall we say and it's all relative and i'm aware that many many people had far greater things to contend with but you can only deal with what you have, and I found my childhood quite difficult uh and but the thing that got me through it, and the thing that wiped the tears from my eyes was my utter fascination with Doctor Who and the fact that doctor who was this this thing that everybody seemed to sort of know about, but i had a you know I had a special power in if you like it was it was very much my and but mostly it was that it gave me great glee and great joy, and there was always something to find out about it was finding out about you know who the companions you know suddenly you'd uh, you know you discover you pick up a book and you go oh, i've never heard of you know ben and polly i had actually heard of ben and polly uh, because i remember I remember exactly where i was the first time i heard of ben and polly we were playing outside and uh, i think i was talking about you know i said oh i've seen you know i've seen the cover for doc 2 and the cybermen and 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 uh uh, and uh, my brother was saying oh yeah Ben and Polly are in that one and they're the companions in the 10th planet they're the companions that see out the first Doctor and see in the second Doctor and I'd never heard of Ben and Polly and they seemed all very exciting I remember the first time I uh, knew who Joe was because uh, of uh, Joe alone the opening chapter of uh, of Planet of the Daleks so when you find you know when you because f- the only way you found out about this stuff or I did, was was picking up a a Target book and suddenly there'd be those whole new characters you were supposed to sort of know about. So, uh, you know, there was always something new to learn or to discover and and, and The Doctor and the Loch Ness Monster was very much one of those books at around that time. It was one of the early books. It was one of the books we always had. I don't remember it being new. I remember it us always having it. And It's got a brilliant cover with the Scarrison and the Saigon and Tom Baker in the middle and uh, it's it's a great uh, Chris Achilles uh, sort of composition uh, you know i love those target novels i love the work of uh, chris akilios he was uh he was a very very talented man and uh, you know etched the excitement of my childhood in brilliantly uh, rendered imagery um and of course brilliantly captured likenesses of photographs i then you know later saw oh you know and it all then ties together beautiful um but of course we all have our things that we do interesting that i you know i invoked my my cynical brothers being you know cynical about it because i'm I'm even though they'd grown up captured by unloved doctor and in fact i remember i remember my one of my brothers talking you know in in you know hushed tones about uh you know zygon harry and uh you know how scary zygons was but then they got to a certain age um, there's four years between me and the next up, which is my sister, and then there's a year of my brother, and then there's a year and another brother. So I've got three older siblings, but a, but who are all quite close together, and then a bit of a gap to me. So of course, not only you know you know was I younger, but when I was a sort of snivelling teenager, they were older teenagers who, of course, think younger teenagers are idiots and they had outgrown childish things as it were um so you know i would i would hope they'd wander in and see me watching a doctor who and go oh this is amazing but usually they'd go why they've done that or that's rubbish i mean i've just invented some that they might have done whilst watching terror of the zygons although i have to say i remember watching pyramids of mars when my brother walked in and him telling me that you know that's when doctor who was good and uh, you know, it was this. It was this modern stuff that was rubbish. So, you know, <laughs> uh, times things change and things stay the same in many, many ways. Anyway, um, uh, you know, it, it. But it is tied up with family, and I do think of my family dynamic in terms of Doctor Who a bit. I wish I'd have sort of liked to have had. D- Daisy's stuff with uh, uh, you know family joshing having fun although no maybe i wouldn't have done because if if i'd been watching that and my family had said well he didn't see that coming or um uh you know no idea I'd have probably got really prickly at that time because I needed absolute concentration in Doctor Who I didn't want people heckling it or, or even in good humor you know there's, no, there's a there's a place for good humor there's a place there's a place for fun and it's not in Doctor Who uh, but but you know I, I because that was me at the time because I I didn't want it spoiled so and and to be fair my family tended to very much what I wasn't allowed to sort of I wasn't prioritized for much because I was the youngest, and usually what the three of them needed to do, you know, was, 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 you know, there was more likely to be a thing that, that suited all three of them and not me than there was a thing that suited me that all three of them could do. So, um, uh, so, so, so I never often felt particularly sort of prioritized. But to be fair, I, my, my absolute devotion to Doctor Who was uh, you know understood and accommodated so there would be no question of when Doctor Who was on anybody watching anything else you know uh, I mean if I was watching it on video and they wanted to watch something I'd, I'd get booted out you know or whatever but but my my love of Doctor Who was was tolerated and accommod- it was accommodated uh, and and accepted um yeah mildly piss taken out of as well um but that's you know um, that's 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 kind of what the dynamic was anyway um so I so I also sort of slightly envy uh envy Daisy's dynamic but that's not to say that our dynamic didn't have that uh and and that was entirely everybody else's Mm -hmm. fault as I say I you know I was a little bit touchy and a little bit um defensive about doctor who so even if my family had probably thought they were just joining in and having a good time with that like daisy's family obviously do they it was a, that was a shared communal family joke i love that i think that's very sweet um i i would have probably scuppered that with my own uptightness um I'm, i hope i'm beyond that now and that actually because i think i wanted everyone to take doctor Who so terribly seriously which is mad because the whole thing about the doctor is that the doctor doesn't take what the doctor undermines the villains by not taking them seriously. That doesn't mean that the, the program sends them up. The program is at its best when it takes the villains absolutely seriously. But the doctor it's what Tom Baker's doctor does so well is that he, you know, he pricks through the pomposity of uh, of all of that. And that's that's a that's a that's quite a line to tread because you don't want the program undermining the 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 monsters or the bad guys because then it becomes a comedy program then it becomes a bit postmodern then it's tipping a wink to the audience uh, and that's cheap and that's really easy to do but the for the doctor to have that sort of anarchic i'm you know i'm going to cut through your highfalutin extraterrestrial attitudes and dialogues a dialogue, um, is is, you know, is the lesson to go. You know, the 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 way you take down despots is to is to not take them too seriously, is to because they're all you know, pumped up and pompous or arrogant or, you know, even even the most powerful dictator is probably somebody that look at you know look at somebody, you, you know, everyone from. All, you know, from King King jo- Kim Jong Il to uh, Donald Trump to to, to, to to and 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 people from um, all political persuasions, people who've who've become sort of powerful despots, you know, all have their own uh, um, sort of pathetic little personality flaws that show that actually they're just human beings like the rest of us, and. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's it, It's the same with you know some some uh, on high alien pronouncement. It's still done by a you know you're, you're still just a, a a creature. You're still just a a person in inverted commas. Uh, and and the and the doctor cuts through all of that by being funny and by being witty and by not being impressed by you know the the strutting of power. Uh, and that's 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 a great element of the of the show's central character, but the show's central character has to do that whilst not going, whilst not sort of going. But these things are silly and aren't threatening. You know, even you know, even if they're made of you know obvious rubber or are a bad, badly CSO'd glove puppet or whatever, the the doctor has to do, to to tell the audience, the actor has to tell the audience, this is scary and life threatening, whilst the doctor is going, but. I'm gonna brazen this out by being mocking, uh, in order to buy myself some time, or in order to press their buttons. Because, you know, despite this facade of power, underneath they're still, you know, like we all are, um, you know, needy and pathetic. <laughs> and the doctor kind of knows that. And it's and and but the most important thing I think in in, in from today in today's climate of discussion and attitudes is that you know we lose our sense of humor at our peril and uh, i was very much like that about doctor who when i was younger is that i took it so seriously you know even somebody looking at it in a funny way would would be enough to make me really upset and ruin my day and you've got to let that go so i love daisy's family for being uh able to have that wonderful fun shared dynamic that as she sort of said you had to be there it it means kind of nothing really unless you were there but isn't that wonderful that we have those things that are just our little dynamics that have that have come organically from the chemistry between us um, because we're either a family or a group of friends you know you we've all got jokes haven't we in jokes between mates that have come just because of the different sort of conglomeration of our personalities and outlooks that what that they share something that then means something unique and particular to just us at just a particular time. And I think Doctor Who, because it permeates family, because it crosses generations, because it is tied in with our past, because most of us are introduced to it when we're children, because it is often reminiscent, of if not family time, then friends time. Those of us that haven't had, you know, big, big families who've watched together, because I don't want to exclude anybody. I'm aware that for many people, it's just a just been a solo pursuit or whatever. Hopefully there's, you know, there are groups of friends that you have that with or networks now in the Internet of people that you've never met that you might somehow have. Have an in joke, or a bit of a shared dynamic, or a, or just a bit of a, you know, just a bit of a, uh, you know, a, yeah, just a, a, a shared, a shared dynamic. I think is I've, I've said it. I always, I always, I always stretch. The, I always try to just go that little bit further and run out of steam. Which uh, uh, let's stop this episode from doing that. I think that ship may have sailed, Toby. Uh, but anyway. Um, I enjoyed that. I particularly loved Daisy's choice. I was never going to get that in a million years. Wouldn't it have been great if I'd gone, yeah, I think my favourite thing about episode three is the, the thing that the Connolly family used to do. Ha, <laughs> ha, uh, Anyway, uh, thanks to Daisy. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's see what happens when the spaceship goes to London in episode four of Terror of the Zygons. But that is next time. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And I hope... You, like a robin in a birdbath, have been refreshed and invigorated by this. You won't have been. That's the last thing this will have done. But I was just trying to tie it neatly all together. You really had to be there. Thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Daisy Connolly, who can be found on Twitter at Dazed, D-A-I-Z-E-D. I'm grateful to Daisy and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Peter Adamson, Andrew and Lisa, Catherine Armitage, John Arnold, Kevin Ashelford, Luke Atkins, James Bell, David Bickley, Will Brooks, Rick Byatt, Gary Byrne, Robin Bland, Robbie C., Alex Kavajoglu, Paul Carnahan, Paul Carrington, Andy Case, John Curley, Mark Dakin, Rob Dawson, John Ellidge, Mark Findlay Smith, Joe Ford, Gary Gillett, Paul Goodridge, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, David Gould, David Green, Fraser Gregory, Paul Gregory, Legion Henderson, Dave Hoskin, Richie Howarth, Robert Jewell, Andrew Jordan, Christopher Joyce, Jess Jerkovic, Ashley Knight, Andy Kitching, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert. The music was by Dave Gates and the artwork, Dylan Patterson. If, like me, you struggle with day-to-day life, then there's a new app and podcast that can sort it all out. I live in Islington, and I'm really, really happy. It's a podcast that takes away that, you see, it would be awful if uh, I had to use adverts to sustain this thing, because then I'd have to spout crap like that. Instead, I have the patron model. All those names you heard then uh, prevent me from having to go, yes, I used to find eating a problem, but then... uh, Eaty food food sorted out my problem by just I pay just uh, it's very affordable I pay just 97 pence a day and Eaty food food cooks my food for me and feeds it to me like the baby I am um uh, you know uh, men are you skinny <laughs> uh, I yeah they stop me having to do anything like that I mean I w- I wouldn't anyway I'd feel like a charlatan and a fraud um, although that that said I do do voiceovers for adverts in my professional life but I feel it would somehow sully uh, this which is an endeavour that is free at the point of contact so it's all, I mean it's almost exactly the same as the NHS um, <laughs> except in in almost every discernible way but uh, at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke you could be one of the people who has their names read out which stops me from even contemplating uh, you know, doing adverts, having advertisements on these podcasts. And for as little as £3 a month, you get early access to the podcast, six months early in the cases of Happy Times and Places. Uh, you get exclusive podcasts, you get material that's just for you, monthly AMAs and various other treats. And you get a £10 discount if you sign up for a year. And if the Patreon model is not for you, you can sort of fling some money into my tip jar, essentially, on Ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash Toby it, it, it pretends that paying for a service is like buying me a coffee, which I suppose it kind of is. Uh, and you can also do the free option, the option which costs you no money at all. And I completely understand that in this day and age uh, where everything's expensive. I've just seen our electricity bill. And that's actually not true. I'm aware of what our electricity I, That was like me doing an advert. I've just seen our electricity bill and I've thought of ways of making it cheaper. If I listen to the podcast Electric Wick Wick uh, presented by a yummy mummy from Islington who says you don't have to pay electricity bills if you wear a Breton shirt and eat organic food. Uh, <laughs> I'll just stop it. Stop it. Uh, anyway, um, listen. Yes, I know. Times are tough. Times are tough financially for all of us. Uh, and you know one of the reasons you know podcasts are so great is that they you know you get good quality stuff I hope I hope that's what this is I'm not claiming it so to be but if you're listening to it I hope you enjoy it uh, that that is absolutely free um, but uh, if you'd like to support it and if you'd like to make this verbal diarrhea seem somehow worthwhile a five star review we live in a very binary uh A universe where nothing less than five stars will do, unfortunately. There's no subtlety. There's no nuance. There's no gradation of skill. It's either brilliant or just don't bother, Um, uh, which really helps to get the word out there and helps these get more visibility and mean that more people will listen to to them. Um, So a five-star rating and a few lines of review really help this podcast to get out there into the great wide world. (laughs) Now, the beauty of me being so behind schedule that I'm releasing this to patrons one episode at a time. Normally, I would try and get the whole story done and then then pop it out. Um, But I've been filming. Did I? I don't think I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this in take one of the introduction. I've been away filming a sequel to uh, Living with Levine and A Weekend with Waterhouse, so a threequel, the third in that series. I've spent the weekend uh, with a Doctor Who regular for uh, a Blu-ray release that isn't even on the schedule. So yeah, if you see, if you know, somebody drops a hint that they've done something, or you see something, you know, or a Doctor Who actor says, "Oh, I've just done a an interview for this." Don't think that that means the Blu-ray is anytime soon. We're doing stuff for stuff that isn't even scheduled. Uh, I've done all the Tom Baker commentaries that uh, that we're gonna do. Um, but that's even for some sets that aren't planned. So uh, it's because we're we're getting the stuff done now. Uh, Russell Minton has been brilliant uh, in ensuring that we you know we get as much stuff in the can uh, as, as soon as we can, which is great, uh, and and it means that we can then relax about the you know we I have nothing to do with it. The, 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 there's a more relaxed attitude to the release schedule because you know we can still be fitting things in and you know moving stuff about, etc., etc., etc. Anyway. So that's why I'm really behind and I'm recording this uh, of a morning when nobody's got up yet, which is why the Robin was having his, he was having a morning bath to invigorate him for the day. Um, And I'm sorry if just towards, you know, in in this little coda, you heard an aeroplane. Normally I would lock myself in my booth and uh, get rid of all external sound. But uh, that rumble you heard. Uh, when I was, you know, just at the end of talking about the Patreon bit, that was that was an aeroplane. Let's pretend it was the Zygon spaceship coming back round again, and uh, just to just to give a bit of a realistic feel to the end of this episode. Anyway, um, Andrew Llewellyn has made who's who's one of the poor dupes who sends their hard-earned money. Uh, to my Patreon page, www.patreon.co.uk forward slash Toby You don't need the www.toby, I know, but I'm very old fashioned. Um, Andrew says, Great podcast as always, Toby. Your uncertainty, this is now, uh, this is me about the decompression chamber in episode two. Your uncertainty about the decompression chamber is understandable, but the science is correct. Air pressure is increased in the chamber with a high level of oxygen, which can poison the blood in theory. By slowing down Sarah's breathing in the trance, the Doctor reduces her intake, keeping her healthy. The script doesn't really explain this, I'm afraid, but the Doctor definitely doesn't have a superpower, so it's okay. I love that. Thank you so much, Andrew. That is it now. I'm getting pings on my phone. Aeroplanes, pings. This is a very unprofessional episode of... Um, happy times and places uh, with, with external sound that I wouldn't normally allow in a professional broadcast but let's say that we're we're doing guerrilla filmmaking it's not filmmaking guerrilla podcast making that I decided not to, to traipse all the way and, and get all the wires and plug all that just just to record this end bit in the uh, in the proper sound booth so sorry about that but it proves that I live in a house and I'm not I am not AI-generated living in a computer dwelling. So sorry about all the noise, uh, but I thought Andrew's contribution there was rather, rather splendid. Uh, so thank you for that. And Guy Lambert says, you inspired me to re-watch this whole story and it's been glorious, as it is every time I revisit it. Thanks, Guy. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I hope that's what this does. Um, but anyway... There we go. I hope you've uh, you've enjoyed that, and uh, thanks particularly to to patrons who uh, you know give me conversation points and give me feedback and make me think I'm you know I'm I'm not alone. None of us are alone. As one none of as a Doctor Who fan, you're you're never alone. I mean, sometimes looking at Twister, I wish wish, be, wish we bloody were, but generally though, it's good in it. It's
1: good in it. Yeah, it's good.